Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse 35, and go plumb on through to 1 Samuel 16 and 1. Amen. Praise the Lord. 15 and verse number 35. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. Chapter 16, verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil, and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and thanking you this morning for your word. For those that have come this morning, I ask you, God, to quicken every mind and every spirit this morning to your word. Not to me, Lord, but to you, O God. I ask for anointing upon these lips of clay because I realize that I'm standing at a sacred place, Lord, speaking forth your word and asking, Lord, for your help and your anointing this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. Praise the Lord. Amen. I want to preach on this subject a while. Fill thine horn. And before you're seated, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, fill your horn. You can be seated in the name of Jesus. In that lovely name that's above every name. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to minister this morning something God has been dealing with me now for over a month. It's not been uh, something that's just come overnight, but it's been dealing with my heart and my soul uh, so what I really want to do this morning is I want to talk to some people who have been mourning over past happenings. Maybe you have been hurt or rejected. Maybe you have been mourning over a family member or a friend who has backslidden. Or maybe a member of your family that has passed from this life and you can't seem to get over it. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? How many have been there that you've mourned and seemed like you've had problems? And come on, you might as well be honest. I'm one of them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning because I feel like that back some time ago that God awakened me in the night and began to speak to me some things. And I went to my office, sat down at my desk and began to put notes together didn't know it was going to come this morning, but felt like I'd, I'd already been studying even before I'd spoken to pastor, and I knew he was loaded this week and a lot of things to do, and, and just um, now uh, I, I, get, I volunteered. I was a volunteer. If, if he needed help, I was there. Praise the Lord. I want you to know that this is a very 
very moving story. I guess more moving this time to me than it had ever been because God let me see another side that I had not really taken the time to look at. I want you to know that this is not Samuel's first time to anoint. Remember, he is a prophet and a judge, so he is anointed many times before. But I want to take a look, amen, at the backdrop of the story that begins, and I, I'm not, it's not on the board, but it's just a reference so you know where it's at. Let's take a look and, and, at the backdrop of the story that began back in 1 Samuel 7 and 8. And Samuel has judged Israel all of his days, it says. We know the story of Samuel that Hannah had gave him to the Lord early in life after he was weaned, and he became a worker in the house of God. And when Eli died, then Samuel was made judge over Israel. And Samuel has judged Israel now all the days of his life. He's now getting old, and so he makes his sons judges over Israel. And the Bible tells us that they're not living right. They're not walking in the ways. They take bribes and they're doing all kinds of honorary things and just they're not right at all. So the people has come to Samuel and they've, they've uh, looked at Samuel and, and I thought they could have said it in a different way. They, they said, Samuel, you're now old. Wouldn't it? Well, yeah, that's what you want to hear, you know, when you're getting up in senior years. You're old. You're just... You're plain old, and, and, and your sons aren't walking right. I'm, they, they reminded him of, of his sons and of his family that's not living right. You, you know, you're old, and I'm not saying you're not living right, but you're old. You're, you're no count, you know. You, we can't use you anymore, and we sure can't use your sons because they're not right. So, so we're, we want a king like all the other nations. We want a man that we can be under and can, he can walk out before us and he can come back before us and he can fight our battles for us. This is the man we want. Samuel, we want a king. Amen. Wouldn't that make you feel just peachy? That somebody just said, well, you're old. I've never had anybody to say that to me outside of joking. I thought they were anyway. Maybe they weren't. Samuel begins to tell them. He said, all right. Okay, the God's already dealt with him. He says, he said, Samuel, I want you to listen to the cry of the people. Because in that they're rejecting you, they're not really rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. So he said, I want you to listen to their cry and I want you to give them a king. But notice Samuel does not do that just then. He carries this out and he mourns and he grumbles and he complains and he goes and he's, you know, hallelujah. So Samuel begins to tell them what a king will expect of them. And one thing I want to identify in this, and I won't stay on this soapbox very long, but it just fell in place and I wanted to do it. One thing I want to touch on before moving on. He said, he will take 10% of your sheep. Now, I'm sorry, but I believe if a natural king deserves a tenth, 
that the kingdom of God. God's house deserves a tenth of your earnings. If you're going to have to give it to the king, why not give it to the king of kings and the Lord of lords? I won't stay there. I'll move on. I'm not going to dig in your pocketbook. I'm just telling you that's what the Bible says. Now Samuel is getting ready to anoint the first king of Israel. He has found him a person. Amen. He has found Saul, if you please. And he stands head and shoulders above anybody else, the Bible says. And in 1 Samuel 9... Amen, verse 15 and 16. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me. So Samuel comes before Saul and he has a horn that is customary. He is, he is a prophet of God and he carries him a horn over his shoulder and he's got some anointing oil in it. And he comes to Saul and he anoints him to be king over Israel. He pulls out the old cork and he pours it on Samuel's horn and he anoints him to be king. Everybody say his first anointing. Glory. And Samuel now, the first anointing of a king. Israel has never had a king before. But now they have got somebody to take them out and to bring them in in war. So Samuel anoints Saul to be king. He empties his horn. There is nothing left in his horn. He pours it all upon Saul. He uses everything that he has on Saul. Hallelujah. He has emptied his horn, and in fact, ever since that time to the scripture text today, he must have had an empty horn, for we find no place else he has filled it or emptied it. So he has been going around with an empty horn slung over his shoulder. The plug is out. It is gone. Come on. Hallelujah. Saul fails as king after Samuel has poured everything he's got into Saul. Can you imagine what a thing that this might have been that Samuel loves Saul so much? Okay, they rejected him. And now his sons are rejected for they're not right. They're not living right. He knows they're not living right. So God says, here's a king. Anoint him over my people Israel. So Samuel takes the last anointing that he has. He, he, he thinks this is it. 
They've already told me I'm old. They're talking about me. Uh, you know, hey, you're, you, you don't even take a bath like you used to. You're smelly. You don't, you know, you walk around here and you're all stooped over. You know, you're, you're not straightforward. You don't even look like a leader, Samuel. You're, 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 you're just kind of nasty looking. And, and we're ready for somebody to march that's uh, before us, that's good, and, it's, it's, and, and that looks good, you know, that's handsome, that's stately, and, and he stood heavy and shoulders above everybody else so can't you imagine that Samuel says when I empty my horn on this time this is the last anointing because I'm no longer going to be their judge come on but they've got a man that will go out before them and come in before them they've got a leader now and, and they won't, I won't be picked on anymore my family won't be talked about anymore I, I'm emptying my horn and it's my last anointing because I'm tired of being called old and dirty and all this stuff while I've walked before him all these years and, and I've followed after God and have made sure that Israel has been taken care of in battle I've went before him in prayer come on in their heartaches and in their troubles I've prayed and I've anointed their children and I've prayed for them and healing has come their way I have been there through all these years and now they said, you're old. Here I am that I've poured everything that I've got into to Saul. Saul stands head and shoulders above everything. He's a stately man. He's, he's good looking. He's broad shouldered. He's, he's, he's smart. He's, he's, you know, strong and, and just he looks good and, and, and he looks like a king. So I'm just going to pour everything I can into him. So he went to work on Saul to make him the best king that could ever be because he's going to be the last king. That's what Samuel thought. He thought this is this generation right here of Saul's. This is it. This is the this is the generation that's now going to be king over Israel. And I won't have to worry about it no more. And I'm placing everything in his hands. So I'm going to make sure I'm sure that there was a daily time that he got with Saul and said, Now Saul, let, let me let me remind you of these things. I want to. I want to. I want to remind you how you go out before him and how you pray first. Uh, so you got to pray everything you do. You must seek God first, and 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 he must become first even before. Don't go to battle without ever praying. Saul, I want you. You you must pray. You must seek after God and everything that you do. He's taught him everything that he knows. He's he spent tireless hours. Uh, teaching Saul everything that he could about Israel. He probably, he knew all about Israel. He probably told him about every family. Now this family, they'll, they'll be coming to you more because they're, they're a family of problems. And, and you got, yeah, come on now. And you, you know, you're going to have them, Saul. They're, they're going to come before you and, it's, and uh, they're going to about drive you nuts. Every, they're going to be at your doorstep about every day. Uh, every week they're going to be there at least. And, and you're going to have to pamper them and you're going to have to you're going to have to pray for him. And you're going to, yeah, come on now, Saul. You've got to get busy because you've got a great work to do. And you've got to be able to do that work. And I know that God has called you. And I've put my faith and my trust in you. And in my anointing, I've poured everything out on you because I know that God's got something for you to do. When you've poured everything that you've got into somebody, you don't expect for them to be rejected. 
when you pour everything that you can into your children and one or two of them goes off in the wrong direction, it troubles your mind and your spirit. And if we're not careful, and I've done this, and I have done this, and I have done this, and time after time, you began to mourn for the children. I'm not saying that's, you know, it's a normal thing that you're going to do some mourning. There's got to be a time for that. But I began to imagine the state of Samuel at this time. Israel's called him old and reminded him of his son's sins. And now he's reminded of how he's emptied the horn on a king whom he loved like a son. Yet that king has now failed also. He feels now like a failure again himself. They didn't want me. Now the Lord has rejected the king that I anointed and poured everything into that I had. And Samuel's grieving for Saul. He's upset with the Lord. You ever got upset with the Lord? I, you might as well say yes, because I'm telling you, most all of us got upset with him. We didn't like how he handled things. He was upset with the Lord because he had rejected Saul from being king. The person that he had poured of his anointing out, out upon, Brother McBroom, the person that he had poured everything into he had. He, he had given him everything he had, everything that he knew. All of Samuel's knowledge and wisdom down through the years had been poured into Saul, and there was nothing left. The horn was empty. No more anointing. It was gone. Felt like this was the last time he'd ever have to anoint somebody. This was the last time because he had it all in control now. The Lord had chosen the king and, and it was going to be all right. See, the anointing symbolizes election and endowment by the Spirit. It also symbolizes an advancement of a person's legal status. It gives him some rights that nobody else has. It offered the king protection upon the throne. And it identified him with a divine realm. He was, he was more than just a king now. He had some divine responsibilities that were placed upon him. And I know that Saul had related all of that to him, that, that you are going to be more than a king, but you are going to be uh, anointed. You're, you're, you're going to be a step above. You remember, and you can go back and read the story for yourself in 1 Samuel, amen, of 5, I believe, or 7 and 8, I mean. And you can read the story that how that, that Samuel was so, he was so backward and, and he hid behind the crowd. He didn't, he wasn't a person, he was humble before he became king. And, and he, yet he tried to hide, but when, he, when they found him and he stood, the Bible speaks of him of standing head and shoulders above everybody. I think for the first king of Israel that almost had to be because they were looking for a stately person and somebody that was big and stood. He looked like a king, so he was handsome. He had all of the, the features that they thought that a king ought to have, so, so God gives them their choice. Come on, I said their choice. Amen. So 
he had, uh, he had poured everything in, in there to Saul, and Saul had failed, and, and here we go. And, and, and he, 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 he said, now here is a king that is going to be forever king. He is, his, his, all of his ancestors, they, were, they will all be kings under him. They will come up and take place, and I won't have to worry about Israel. God will keep them. He, he's, he's identified with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's in a heavenly realm. There was an anointing, the Bible said, that came upon Saul later that day after Samuel had anointed him, and he began to prophesy with the prophets. Come on. And, and, and the word went and said, is, is Samuel the son of Kish? Is he, he now one of the prophets? Come on. Come on, God had anointed him. He did have an anointing. Uh, come on, church. You can get in this thing and you can have an anointing, but you can lose that anointing. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you can lose that which man has poured into you and God has poured into you everything he has and you can still lose that anointing and be rejected. Hallelujah. Fill thine horn. Fill thine horn. When you're anointed by God, you're given an authority that you didn't have before. It don't mean that you're any better than anybody else, but you've just got an anointing that God placed upon you. And may I, may I, may I just stop here a moment and just kind of quiz you a little bit that I don't want you to think that I'm a step up above you uh, I, I am just on the level with you, but God has placed an extraordinary anointing. He has placed a responsibility, the word that I want. He has placed a responsibility on me above you. Come on. You better thank God that you don't have the responsibility of your pastor. It is a load that you carry. Every hour of the day and even through the night hours when you're laying in your bed and there's times you can't sleep because he's got his mind upon his flock. See, Saul before had probably been used to laying down and just sleeping and, and no problems, but now he's got the load of Israel on his shoulders. He, 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 he has got a special anointing, amen. And even in that, he was rejected because he began to live by what Saul wanted and rejected obedience. First Samuel 16 and 1. Go back into our scripture there just for one question. How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. The Lord asked Samuel. How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? God began to deal with me several weeks back about this. I'll tell my story first so you can relate and understand what I'm talking about. Down through the years that I've pastored, Raised my children. Sister McGee and I has raised them in church. They have not known what it is to not be raised in church. As babies, they were taken to church. The twins were newly born, and they were taken to church. 
Amen. Our children, as soon as they got out of the hospital and were able to go, they were in church. Amen. Our children have never known what it was to be like to be out of church. Amen. And then the enemy comes along and he kind of starts scattering your family. One taken out, another taken out, problems began to come. And then you began to pastor. All these things began to weigh on you. Now the church family is weighing on you because now you've got an anointing above that. And all of these things began to weigh on me. And I'm going to tell you, up through all of my years of pastoring, when I stepped aside as pastor and my son stepped in two years ago, this coming January, I began, I thought, you know, surely now I can have a time of rest. And I, you know, I don't mean that bad. I, I enjoyed all my years of pastoring. Sister McGee and I enjoyed those years. But it takes something out of you. Because now it's not only my five children and their families that I've got on my shoulders, but now I've got the shoulders of all of you. I've got the family and all of you that's on my shoulders also. And I thought, now... I'm passing this anointing and this burden on to my son. What's something to give your son? Glory. Oh, Jesus. And I thought, surely I'll have a time of rest. Well, I'm going to tell you that I haven't had a time of rest. It's, it's still, Brother Terry, no, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's something that... It's hard to shake off is the burden of your family and your church family. Of people that you dearly loved and you watched come in the doors and, and repent at an altar of prayer and you baptized them in Jesus' name and they were filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you've watched them grow up from kids. And when the enemy strips one of them out of your midst, it does something to you. A very unrest in my body. And I, I thought surely all that I'd be able to get rid of. But I'm going to tell you, I've been mourning for two years. God help me. I've been mourning for my family and mourning for my church family. Mourning for my loved ones that I've watched come in and, and sit. And then all at once the enemy is took them out of our midst and, and I began to mourn for them. I mourn for our pastor because I know what he's going through and it's worry and it's fret and it's talk. Sister McGee, it's talking at the, at the kitchen table of, of the morning maybe. My, what are we going to do, dear? All of these and it just worries me to death. What, and we've talked about it and we've reminisced it and then I thought, Lord Jesus, you've got to rid me of this thing. I've been mourning. Come on, stay with me because I don't care how much you all want to not say you've done this. You've done it. It's a something that we've all done. We've mourned for our loved ones. Just like Samuel, come on, had mourned for the loss of Saul's being king. We have mourned over our loved ones because we felt like, come on now, I'm going to get really real with you. Some of the people that you seem like you've poured most of the time into is one of those, some of those that have walked out of your midst and you say, how can that happen? I've poured everything that I've got into them. How can they walk away like this? So I've mourned. 
I'm getting older. You can go ahead and say it. You're old. And I've been going around, Brother Freddie, the last two years with an empty horn over my shoulder. I've spent all of my anointing on this church, on my family, on your pastor. And it's not that God has rejected this church or this pastor. But I feel rejection because some has passed out the doors and not returned after I've emptied my horn. After I've poured everything into them, I've got. I feel like I've spent my life running around with diabetes that I didn't used to have. Burning the candle at both ends. Because I knew God was going to move. And He is. He still is. But I'm Samuel. I guess I felt rejected. Because God, why haven't you, why haven't you let me see more than I've seen? Why couldn't I see more of the good and less of the bad? Now I've got an empty horn. And all that's left of me. Thank God he let me gain 16 pounds of my morning back. After morning off, 40 pounds. Felt I was going to die last year at this time. I wouldn't have given you $2 for another year. I felt like I was dying daily and couldn't do nothing about it. I was mourning. I was mourning for some of you. Wonder if you're going to make it or not. Mourning over my children. Are they going to make it? One that's been away be 12 years into this month. Is she going to make it back? Poured everything I had into her. Don't understand, Brother Terry. What, what's going on? You know. Come on, Brother Jerry. You, you feel a little of that. I've poured everything. I've poured it into my children. What's, what's going on? I, I don't understand this, God. Why? Why is it happening to me? I'm mourning it. I'm griping at God. I'm complaining at God. My wife and I is mourning at the table. How long, Lord? How long? But back several weeks ago, we are mourning. Son, the Lord woke me. And this scripture had already been running through my head. I had some things on my mind. It was concerning an individual I need to talk to. And I wasn't ready. It wasn't time. But it was on my mind constantly. I get up in the morning, it's on my mind. I go to bed. I was mourning. I had an empty heart. And God spoke to me laying in my bed. And he said, it's time to quit mourning over your children. It's time to quit mourning over your family. 
It's time to quit mourning over your church family. And it's time to fill your Time to put it back on your shoulder. It's time for you to get busy doing the work of the Lord because I got another anointing for you. Come on, church. Time to fill up your horn. Come on. You've mourned long enough, you've carried it too far. Oh. <laughs> Come on, it's time to fill up your horn and start doing God's work again. Come on. Sorrow can be carried too far. It can disturb our peace and it can weaken our energies. It may be made an occasion of halting. When you should have been working, it slows you down. It takes your energies. It makes you weak. My wife said, why is it we're so wore out? We've talked about it. We've said, we've talked about it. We've rode down the road in our car. So what is it that makes us so tired? It's because we've been mourning. And the Lord said, it's time for a time of rest. But the only way that you're going to be able to rest is to fill your horn up. Quit your morning and get busy serving me. Get busy doing something in the house of God. Don't quit. Don't halt. Keep on worshiping. Keep on praising. Keep on praying. Keep on winning souls. Time. Oh, it's time to fill up the horn. Hallelujah. It may have caused us to neglect our public and our church duty. Sister McGee, we've got that place. We've got to that place. We've got up in days, didn't want to do nothing. Just get back, kick back in the recliner and just take it easy. Because we've been spent, our horn is empty. And we've been mourning so long that it has affected our worship. It has affected our walk with God. It's affected our excitement and our energies. God help me. Anybody been there? Is your energies left this year because you've been mourning? If some things happened in your family that you can't do nothing about, yet you're still mourning over it. Mourn to the place that you become sick, weak. 
you've neglected church duties and even your duties to man. I've heard Sister McGee saying more one time during weeks. Say, dear, I really need to go visit my parents, and I don't even want to go right now. Or out. I just, I just like stay in bed today. Come in of the night, wore out, and say, dear, there's nothing that calls for us to get up early in the morning, are they? So let's just lay in. But I don't know, invariably, by seven o'clock, we're out of bed and eating breakfast and. I said, dear, I thought we was going to stay in bed today. Well, I couldn't lay there. Morning, you know. Morning won't let you lay there. Morning won't let you rest. It won't let you kick back in the day and get you some rest. He'll interrupt your rest. Come on. But my Bible said he'll give you a rest wherein the weary can rest. And he'll give you a refreshing. Come on. I don't know you. I'm looking for the times of refreshing. And I'm going to claim mine this morning. Are you going to claim yours? I'm tired of the empty horn. I'm going to fill my horn up and I'm going to get busy. I'm not going to kill myself. I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to kill myself anymore over y'all. I've done that for all these years and tried to chase and run after you and help you and after a while, I've decided that I can't do nothing. God's the only one that can. I put you in their hand, in God's hand, say, okay, God, we've got, a, we've got a pastor that's very willing and able. God, it's time for me to relax. Come on. It's time for me to fill up my horn. Come on. It's time for me to enjoy life in the presence of God. And you all are sitting back there. You don't, you don't have an idea. You don't have near as much to worry about. You think you do. And it's real to you. And it feels just as much to you as it does to us. But the truth is, is we've carried the morning far enough. I said we. I put myself in that group. I've mourned long enough over you. And watch you come in and out and think they're not going to make it. Bothers me. I Man, I'm worried. Come on, me and my wife, we talk. I'm worried about this one. I'm worried about that one. I'm, Lord, Sister McGee, we've spent times and spent, spent all we've had to this and here that I'm worried. What's going to happen? I don't know, but I got to fill my horn up. Everybody say, I got to fill my horn up. All right. Let me tell you, it may be that you indulge in mourning until it unfits you for duty. Come on. I said you can mourn so long that you become unfit for the duty that God has called you to do. I'm loaded so heavy that I can't minister and pray and worship God like I should. It's time to fill up the horn. Time to quit the morning. It's time to get busy with the work of God. The very tenderness of Samuel's heart and his jealousy for God had bedimmed 
his faith. And kept him bewailing King Saul. And his own situation till he was unfit for the duties that God had called him to do. Samuel had been going around with the empty horn for so long that he had gave up on everything and poured everything into Saul that he had. And then when Saul rejected, was rejected for being king, there was nothing left in Samuel. He had spent himself. Some of you are there. You feel like you've spent yourself on your family. You've spent yourself on some friends of yours trying your best to win them to Christ. And in, in, in all, all of all of this, it seems like it's not going to happen and it's never going to take place. I'm going to tell you, you need to fill up your horn. There is another anointing that's coming down the road just waiting on you. Hallelujah. God summoned Samuel from his veil of tears to undertake a new commission and to fill the horn one more time. There was something new to occupy his mind. Something new to draw his attention and affection. A new object of labor. A new object of love to engage him. Some, come on. Sometimes what we need in our morning is something new to engage us. Come on. Oh, glory. Have you ever noticed that when some family, new family comes in the church that everybody's engaged, you know? A few new ones start trickling through the doors and we become engaged. You know why? It gives us something new to get our mind upon. Our energies come back because there's something new to take the place of the old. Somebody gets the Holy Ghost. Ha, ha, ha. Everybody's excited. You know, God does... God, God does uh, something. He, he performs a miracle. A uh, uh, Brother Jesse thing on the front pew. Come on. <laughs> Moving the walker aside. When he drug that leg in here that night, uh, couldn't hardly walk and sometimes couldn't speak, but he sat on that front pew. And when, when prayer was made, I began to see him bounce up and down on that pew. And the next thing I know, he was up and he was running around here. He had drug that leg in here, but he left without a lift. Come on, church. It's time to fill the horn up. God's got one more anointing for you. Look to your neighbor and say, it's time to fill the horn. Something new to engage you in. Another object of labor. Another object of love. See, the sense of personal and relative responsibility is made by God to rebuke and cure a sorrow deemed inconsolable. Let me say that again. I want you to catch that. The sense of personal and relative responsibility is made by God to rebuke and cure a sorrow deemed inconsolable. Anybody ever felt unconsolable? Somebody in here this morning feel like you can't be consoled? Pastor said it. I said it. There's times in our morning that we didn't want anybody 
to come and tell us how we could get out of our situation. We needed somebody to help us mourn. Come on. There is a time to mourn. Come on. Understand, Bishop, this morning, I'm not standing here before you and telling you there is not a time for mourning. There's not a time to be sorrowful. Hey, when your family's going through some sorrowful things, you're going to be sorry. But I'm going to tell you, it can come to the place that you sit on your pew when you ought to be up worshiping and walking. Come on. And worshiping God. It's affected your worship. It's made you ineffective in your work. Come on. To God and your work for humanity that you have sat there and mourned so long that your empty horn is hanging there and it's about just to disintegrate and the Lord saying get up fill up your horn I've got one more anointing for you I've got some of your family still to save hallelujah it was believed in Bible times that those whose spirits were burdened by grief and losses, etc., could take up a pilgrimage staff and make a trip to the Holy Land. And it would be sufficient to satisfy sin and remove the burden of sorrowful spirit. If you could just make a trip back to the Holy Land. Well, I think there's maybe more truth in that spiritually than we know. Some of us, all we need is another trip back to where the holy place, where we found God, where we, where we laid, come on, our sins on the altar. And we filled up our horn and we was ready for battle and our energies was high, come on. And the burdens were light no matter what you went through. It was not going to get you because I'm fighting I'm going to win the battle. Come on. God. I, I may have had an empty horn, but now my horn is full. I'm ready for the business of the king. It's time to fill my horn. It's time to get on with the business of God. And I'm trying to close. I know that's number one. Yeah. It was believed. You know, let me, let me tell you, every mourner, every mourner, everybody said every mourner. Everybody said that's me too. Every mourner is personally called at some time during their walk with God. Just as Samuel was called out of his mourning and said it's time to fill the horn and go anoint King David. Quick story in there. Notice that when he went to anoint King David, he looked to all the other seven sons first. And when the first one walked before him, he said, surely this is the one that, that you know, he, he looks like a king. He's, he looks like Saul. This, my goodness, he's, he's handsome, he's stately, and he's tall and strong. This is surely it. And the Lord said, no, it's not him. All of them marched before him, all seven. They marched before him again. And the Lord said, no, it's not them. See, see, 
Samuel was looking to a king like was chosen the first time. He was, he was like us. He was looking for somebody stately and big that could solve, solve all the problems, that handsome guy that everybody wanted to look to. He said, hey, Samuel, you need to quit looking on the statue because I'm looking on the heart. He said, have you got a son? Jesse, have you got another son? He said, yeah, there's, there's one out there feeding the sheep. He said, he said well, well, I'm telling you, we're not going to sit down until that, that sheep... That shepherd out there comes in. We're not even going to sit down. And when he come in, the Lord said, anoint him. That's him. He wasn't tall and stately and big. But the Bible said he sure was great to look on. He was a beauty. He just had a, a ruddy face and didn't hardly, just, just fuzz, no whiskers. And the Lord said, that's the one. You mean this child? I can almost hear Samuel. What's wrong with you, God? Have you lost your mind? So this guy ain't a warrior. So, oh, you hadn't seen him fight, Samuel. He killed the lion and the bear. Come on. Oh, yeah. He, he killed. This guy's, this guy's the one that's going to kill the Philistine for you. This is the one that's going to get rid of Goliath, the world. Come on. You don't understand. I'm going to get peace under this little guy. Because what's in his heart is bigger than Saul. He's a man after my own heart. Saul was not a man after God's own heart. He did not seek after the Lord in his days. He didn't care about the ark of God. They never even sought after it. But when David comes along, he said they might have not sought after it under Saul. But I'm telling you, David wants the presence of God. I want it in our midst. Come on, church. I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied with the morning spirit. It's time to get rid of the morning and fill our horns with oil. God has got another anointing for this church. Glory. Hallelujah. So he's going to call you and I personally just like he did Samuel at some time during our walk with God and I'm sorry but he's going to ask the same question how long wilt thou mourn fill your horn with oil go and I'll send you <laughs> oh glory You've rested at Mara. You've drank the bitter water long enough. It's time to go. Give me five more minutes. Circumstances call for you to get back to your journey. Come on. Your regrets and your sorrows indicate a need for further conformity to the Lord. Come on. It comes to the place to the sorrow. And the morning means I need more of God. I'm mourning when I ought to be working. My heart is empty when it should be full. David laid on his face and fasted. In fact, let me just, let me back up. See, your grief will be moderated by the satisfaction of obedience to God. I said your grief will be moderated by the satisfaction of your obedience to God. There is satisfaction that comes out of obedience. Obedience, the Bible said, better than sacrifice. David laid on his face and fasted while there was hope for his child that was born from Bathsheba. But when the child died, he got up and washed himself and he went back to his duties. Understand that. 
It's time to fill the horn. We've mourned long enough, church. Come on. There is a time to mourn. Ecclesiastes speaks of it, a time to mourn. Three and one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Then drop down to verse four, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. Glory. Hallelujah. No mourning for those who are lost can excuse neglect of those who are spared. Let me say it again. No mourning for those who are lost can excuse neglect of those who are spared. No regret for the dead can apologize for inattention to the living. You hear me? I said no regret for the dead can apologize for the attention of the living. We can't do nothing about the dead, but we sure can do something about the living. We can fill our horn with oil and get them saved. <laughs> Hallelujah. We make have to mourn of disappointment, hopes, and lost. And op- Come on. So we can, we can mourn sometimes about the disappointed hopes and the lost opportunities. You can lose opportunities. And you be very ready to give up, to give way to sorrow at the retrospect of your one of success. Come on. Sometimes the pride thing comes in. I've got to succeed. But this morning can be ill-judged. I said this morning can be ill-judged, sinful, and disastrous. It's time to get up and fill your horn. Because there is a work for you to do. 1 Samuel 16 and 1 again. I want you to notice one word. The Lord told Samuel, I've provided me a king. That word provided means literally in the Hebrew, I've already seen him. Don't argue with me, Samuel. I've done seen him. And in closing this morning, I speak to you all. Don't let your mourning dim the blessing God has for First Apostolic Church. Don't let your mourning dim the blessing. That God is God for First Apostolic Church. Would you stand with me? I've asked Brother Sister Mason to sing a song because I felt like it would go with this sermon so very good. I sang the song that I give myself away so you can use me. Church. It's time to fill up the horn. Come on. I'm not so sure that we've all even got it on our shoulder anymore. I don't know. Samuel might have just kind of put it back in the closet, forgot all about it. And the Lord said, time, time to fill up the horn, Samuel. You got one more anointing. I'm here to tell you this morning, it's time to quit our mourning over the past and over our friends and over our loved ones and over the church. It's time to fill up the horn. God's got something great for you to do. And if we're not careful, it'll be dim us of the blessing that God has already announced for this church. And if we're not careful, we can miss it. This altar is open this morning. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. 
Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you, and have a blessed day.